The Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference presents the path to being the best leader. How to lead with charisma, integrity, and conviction. A professional development seminar. Featuring Vice President for Lockheed Martin Corporation, Carmen Norwood. Advanced Technical Content Developer for NetApp Incorporated, Mariama Beamer. Director for Raytheon Company, Olu Bolton. And Manufacturing Engineering Director for General Motors, Toya Jackson. The quality of an organization's leadership and management is critical to its success. This is true at team, department, and organizational levels. However, what's the secret to that quality? How do you ensure it throughout the organization? How do you become an excellent leader and manager yourself? As with any professional skills, the skills of leadership and management can be learned and practiced. This course is specifically designed to help you do just that, whatever your role in the organization. Without further ado, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference presents the path to being the best leader. How to lead with charisma, integrity, and conviction. Featuring Carmen Norwood, Mariama Beamer, Olu Bowden, and Toya Jackson. So I'll introduce myself very briefly. I'm Mariama Beamer, and I'm a leader. And so are you, right? Each and every one of you in this room, you are a leader. So if you came in here today, we are here to present on how to lead with charisma, integrity, and conviction. So if you came to learn how to be a leader, well, I'm here to tell you you are already a leader. So what we're gonna talk about are the different types of leadership, and probably you are going to see yourself in some of those types, maybe one, maybe all. So I encourage you to pay attention and see where you can see yourself or potentially other people that you've worked with, right? So it does not matter, right? Leadership is not a title. It doesn't matter if you are a student here or if you are at the highest level in your company, we are all leaders. So we are going to dive into that today and we are going to talk about charisma, what it means to be charismatic as a leader very important, right? We're going to talk about integrity, and we are going to talk about conviction. I think those are very powerful terms, and we are going to explore them today. I am so excited. We have an amazing panel, and you guys are going to get to meet them. I met them, and I'm so grateful for that. So just to set expectations, how we are going to do is first, we're going to have common present on the, those different types of leadership, okay? So that's important, so pay attention to that. And after that, we are gonna have fun with Hot Topic. Anyone familiar with The View? Yeah, okay. So it's gonna be Hot Topic style. We are going to talk about real life stories, real articles about different leaders, and they are going to align with some of those leadership style that she's going to present. All right, sounds good? Um, so, Without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Carmen. I met Carmen and I told her I was fanning out a little bit because 
she just, she's just pretty cool. You'll find out here in a little bit. But Carmen, I'll let you introduce yourself and walk us through the different styles. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I think I'm going to come down and join you guys. And you're going to help me present. How about that? OK, so we have a very, very good topic today. Wouldn't you guys agree? So we talked about, you know, you know, if you're an individual contributor, if you are a leader with an L code by your name, then you automatically think you're a leader. But leaders are individual contributors as well. I know all throughout my career, I was a leader, although I didn't have the title as a leader. And there are different leadership styles. And some of the leadership styles we are more comfortable with, aren't we? So I'm going to step us through these leadership styles. But before I do that, we talked about leading with charisma. Can someone give me the definition of charisma? We're leaders. Style. What else? Likeable. Excitement. Engagement. Presence. Dynamic. So there's a picture of someone on this chart. And who is that? So when you think about Oprah, is she charismatic? I know this uh, Christmas, I was flipping through O Magazine, and Oprah said, OK, <laughs> these were her top 10 favorite things for Christmas. And what did Carmen do? She bought, she bought the lotion and she bought the so because it was Oprah. And a charismatic leader is someone, and you just think about Oprah, they talk the talk, they walk the walk, they motivate their leaders, they're very engaging. Whatever they say, we believe it because they have walked the talk. Okay? But there's a dark side of being a charismatic leader as well. And so we're going to explore that as we go through the hot topics today. So just think about Oprah when you think about charismatic leaders, someone who's leading, who's engaging, who's motivating, who's captivating, someone who captures the attention of those who are listening to them and who can lead them to a specific destination. So let's think about Oprah when we think about charismatic leaders, okay? The next one is transformational leaders. How many of you believe that you are a transformational leader? And when you think about transformational leaders, what do you think about? Throw some words out like you did before. Change. What else? Inspiring. Motivating. A visionary. Trailblazing. So we have a picture here of Roz Brewer. How many of you guys know who she is? So she, at one time, was on the board of Lockheed Martin, but she was also the CEO of Sam's Club at one time. And now I think she's the COO at Starbucks. Okay? What really impressed me about Roz Brewer is when she went to Sam's Club, she really brought transformation to Sam's. If you go to Sam's now, you don't need someone to check you out, do you? You can go and check yourself out. So she brought a lot of that change 
to, to Sam's, increased the sales at Sam's, and provided a whole different experience. She's a transformational leader, a visionary. How do we get to the next state? Okay, so that's a transformational leader. What about democratic leaders? What do you think about? Fair? Consensus? Consensus? Team-oriented. Team Very collaborative, right? So instead of a democratic leader saying, my way or the highway, do it this way, they talk to their team. What do you think? What are those ideas? And they harness those ideas in order to drive the business forward. So the picture you see there is the CEO of Google. And you think about Google, what do you think about? Innovation, right? They have really changed how we do business in a lot of ways, right? Information right at our fingertips, a lot of innovation there. And so he is thought of as a more democratic leader where he reached out into the workforce to get their ideas and thoughts. Okay, laissez-faire, what does that mean? Hands off. Hands off. Is that good when you're a leader? What do you think? It depends, <laughs> right? So that's Warren Buffett. He is one of the richest people, right? So I, when I saw that, I was like, really? He was kind of hands off with his workforce, but that's his style. He only jumped in when he needed to break down a barrier or solve a problem for the workforce, but he was pretty hands off. So that's another type of leadership style. Autocratic leaders. How many people have worked for an autocratic leader? So when you think about an autocratic leader, what do you think about? Status quo? Dictatorship. Strict, demanding, micromanager. All those are really, really good words. And I'm just curious, how did you feel when you worked for an autocratic leader? Stifled. <laughs> so there are pros and cons to all of these leadership styles. What I'd like to think of myself as is a situational leader. So depending on the circumstance, I float between various leadership styles. If I need to be transformational, I can do that. Sometimes I have to be autocratic, right? And sometimes if I have a very high performing team, we build trust and they're able to drive the business forward without little or no direction, I can take Warren Buffett's approach, right? And I'll just give you um, an example and then we'll, we'll move on. But I had an opportunity to take on a very challenging assignment and it was an organization that in my mind had kind of been left to itself to kind of run. And they were humming along, but they were in kind of a space of status quo. Um, the performance wasn't the best. So I was a new leader coming in. I really had to go in there and be charismatic, right? To motivate that team to not only be a performing team, but a high performing team. I had to also be transformational. 
because we needed to move our manufacturing processes from hands-on drilling to more automated. So I had to be a situational leader. So my, as we go through this, you think about your own leadership style or the way people have told you that you operate and think about, okay, well, how do I build skills such that I can move between those various leadership styles, okay? So we're gonna spend time today really talking about real life examples, exploring the various leadership styles, the pros and cons, and just kind of giving you our perspective on being the best leader that you can be, a leader who is charismatic, but who also has integrity and strong conviction. So how many here, you saw yourself, right? As we were talking about some of these leadership style, right? Who, who here, did you see yourself? Or someone that you worked with? I love this because what we've just done is we've level set the room. Carmen just helped us level set the room. So now we all have a common understanding of what we are going to be talking about next. So can we please have a round of applause for Carmen? <laughs> Right, so I, before we go f you know, forward, I, again, I've introduced myself. I'm Mariama Beamer. I am part of the team at NetApp, part of the NetApp University, where I focus on creating content for some of our, anyone knows NetApp, we are the, the data authority. Some of you here <laughs> might remember. Um, but here on the panel, we also have Olu, and we have Toya. So I'll let you guys introduce yourself. Um, Toya Jackson, I'm the Manufacturing Engineering Director at um, Parma, Parma Stamping Facility, and I'm very glad to be here this year. My name is Olu, <clears throat> sorry, good afternoon. My name is Olu Bolden. I work with uh, Raytheon. I'm the Director of Raytheon Six Sigma and Business Transformation for IIS. I'm from Virginia, currently live in Orlando, and I graduated from the Norfolk State University. <laughs> Behold the green and the gold. <laughs> so I throw that out there. Thank you. <laughs> so what we are going to do, as I mentioned, we will have this hot topic style. So we will even do the song here in a second. But before we jump in, yeah, yeah, we, we, we went all out for you guys. Before we jump in, here's what I wanna say. Similarly to hot topic, we will discuss real life stories, real experiences from real companies. No fake news, right? I mean, this is all real, yeah? You might find yourself, it might be the case that you work for some of those companies. So here's what I wanna say. We are not promoting or dissing any of these companies. So don't come after me. <laughs> we will only talk about the leadership styles. And because we just defined them, we will explore them with real life scenarios. Yeah? All right. So, hot topics. <laughs> So first on there, we will talk about charisma. We've defined charisma earlier, and we've defined charismatic leaders. So our first article um, is about Delta. Some of you are, might have heard the story, right? Already in the news. Basically, in this article, in 2019, the CEO at Delta decided to provide a 
profit sharing bonus of 1.6 billion to every eligible employees in the organization. This was all profit sharing. Why? Because he knew that each and every one in his organization, in his company, they were all hard workers. So he made the decision to share the profit, yeah? Um, so the research behind this and covered in this article shows that it's a good business because it supports a cooperative corporate culture that encourages employees to offer suggestions and participate in solving company problems. I mean, if you got that bonus, you, you kind of want to <laughs> participate, right? Um, but also, it reduces turnover and improves per performance and personal motivation. So this is the first article we will talk about. And to my panelists, I would like to ask, what do you all think about this decision, especially for corporation doing this type of profit sharing? So I'll tell you, um, every time, and I really only fly Delta Airlines if I can, because it's, the hub is in Atlanta. But every time when I'm sitting there and before we take off, there's a video and the CEO is talking, and you guys who fly Delta, you see it, and he always captures my attention because I believe that he's a very charismatic leader, very engaged with his employees, really understands the pulse of the organization, and he's someone that I could follow. And just reading this article where not only is he a strong leader setting the direction uh, for Delta, they've had record um, years of uh, profit. He was able to say, hey, it's not just about me. It's about the employees as well. So let's do a little bit of profit sharing. So I believe that that was very motivational to the workforce. And you just think about that. If you have an engaged workforce who's motivated, they really don't have a problem following you and your leadership style. So he's very, uh, a very impressive, I think, CEO. Love it. I agree with her. I, I believe he was um, very, uh, he, he wanted to reward his team. I think he had a clear um, mission and vision for his company, and he wanted to share the profit with the, with the whole team. And by giving the profit sharing, that was a clear commitment to the team that if you show me engagement and commitment, I share in the profit. So it was just an excellent um, leadership skill that he was able to show. I think what's interesting is when you, uh, when we looked at the different type of leadership styles, each one of the words that we're about to look at, those styles can be seen in each one of those leadership. Yeah. Um, looking at the story that we just saw though, what he did inspired uh, the workers there. And so when you think about charisma, I love words and looking at the definition of words. When you look at charisma, you think about someone who's able to inspire. And that word inspire comes from two words, into and breathe. And the idea is, who are you as a leader breathing life into? Who are you animated? Who are, who are you giving them the ability and by what you're putting into them, allowing them to go off and do great things? Um, and the interesting thing to do is find out what motivates people. How do you get your team to move? What is it? And you have to, as a leader, sometimes look at individually. This gentleman said, I'm going to go with sharing some of the profit. And some of the people were inspired by that. But some of the people on your team may not be. They might have the money they need. It may be a nice word. It may be a, a response, more responsibility, uh, those types of things. So as a leader, how do I inspire? And who am I inspiring? That's how I look at it when I think about charisma. 
I love it. And I think really at the core of this, it's about recognition, right? It's about feeling you are being recognized and you are seen, right? And your leader sees you and really is appreciative of your contribution. So that's a really good add-on. Like you say, it could be money, right? It could be just, hey, happy birthday. <laughs> Little things go a long way. But I also think charisma can go too far. So we've read other articles about how a, being a charismatic leader is good. You know, I talked about Oprah, but it can go too far. What do you guys think? So we actually have the article. Perfect segue. Thank you. When charismatic leadership goes too far. Can it go too far? Yes. So in this article, charismatic leaders are good storytellers. And they use metaphors to make stories come alive. We talked about inspiring. But true charismatic leadership is more than just a set of techniques to excite followers, right? In fact, charisma has a dark side. It grows, if it grows too powerful, the leader becomes ineffective in motivating others and driving business. This particular article highlights five phases of the dark side starting with the leader just not wanting to be questioned, you know, just at the table, they know it all. And what derives from that is the followers or the people no longer motivated, right? I mean, you know it all. You're always the loudest. You're always talking. When we talk, you don't listen. So what's the point? So the article also highlights that to avoid this, to avoid this dark side of charisma, the relationship between the leader and the followers must be dedicated and it requires constant attention, right? You don't just stop. You don't just establish that and then stop nurturing. You continue to nurture that relation as you guys grow. So charisma is often misunderstood, right? As we were talking about, sometimes it goes too far. So to my panelists, I have two questions. And the first question is, what advice would you give a leader on maintaining their relationship with their followers? I went first last. <laughs> uh, to, to, to maintain relationship with the followers, I think one of the first things is to treat that word followers very carefully and very healthy. Um, as a charismatic leader, sometimes we get confused with inspiring people to devotion to me, to what I say, as opposed to devotion to the cause or devotion to the goals or devotion to the vision. When I, as a leader, internalize that and I want the attention and I want you to follow me just because I said so, that's when that uh, leader-follower relationship gets kind of unhealthy. And so as a leader, I need to look at the, the barometer of that, test the temperature of that to make sure I'm having a healthy relationship with my followers and understanding that those I lead, the idea is to make them leaders. And so it's not about me as a leader, it's about how am I inspire them to move on. That way, that devotion doesn't internalize to me, and then they're just following Olu or the leader because it's Olu. But they say, no, there's a cause, there's a vision, there's a strategy, there's a goal that we collectively agree on, and that's where our focus is, making sure we get there instead of just following this guy because of whatever. So I think as a leader, to monitor that, uh, uh, you have to actively monitor the health of your relationship to make sure it's just not blind devotion, but it's, hey, we've got a vision that we're heading toward and make sure that your team understands and agrees, the agrees with the vision and we're all moving in the right direction. 
think another thing you had to remind the leader is the importance of integrity and trust. Mm-hmm. I think they go hand in hand, integrity and trust. And if you lose that, you can't over, you, usually a, a leader's, uh, that type of leader, they're promising more than they can deliver. When you promise more than you deliver, you lose trust with your team and you don't want to lose trust. You want to make sure your team still has a environment where they can't, they're having open communication, open feedback back and forth to the team. So. I would remind they, that would be a piece of advice I would give them is to make sure they continue to, to hold integrity and trust. Because I think they go hand in hand. You want to bring up the gentleman we talked about? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when if I could just just talk a little bit about um, when uh, being a charismatic leader goes too far. Mm-hmm. Um, if any of you remember or have heard about or Jim about Jones, <laughs> okay. So he was a um, religious figure who was very charismatic. He was able to um, grow a large following of people. And it got to the point where they could not think on their own. Mm -hmm. They completely followed him. He was so engaging and inviting until they were no longer thinking on their own. They wouldn't ask questions. They wouldn't question what he was saying. And so he led them on a very destructive path. And so I think there is a balance when we think about charismatic leaders where you are motivating and you're inspiring and people want to follow you. And then there's a dark side where a person can get to a point where folks are following them, but they're not thinking on their own. Right, right. And so as leaders, yeah. I think we should be at a point where we can be motivational and inspiring and all of that and drive the business forward and allow folks to still be individuals and think on their own. And just to piggyback off of that, we were talking yesterday, to have charisma or to be a charismatic leader doesn't necessarily that you all rah-rah all the time. That's not what, uh, that's not what charismatic means. It has an aspect to that. You know, loud, animated people, uh, but charisma has the idea, again, of inspiring. And so those are people who can inspire others to do things with the rah-rah. There are people who can inspire people to do things with a calm, settled foundation that they have amongst themselves and, and a demeanor. And so uh, I don't want you to think that charisma means, well, that's not my, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I'm not really that person that likes to be loud. That does not mean you cannot use charisma to lead. It's just that ability to get others inspired, to get others to move, to get other things, other people to become better. So that, that just, I'm going to go rogue a little bit because you touched on something real good. Would you say charisma is a skill that you are born with or is it something that can be learned? Because you mentioned introverts, mm-hmm. right? And we hear that all the time. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not very charismatic because I'm, but is that, can an introvert be charismatic? I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. (laughs) No, seriously. No, I am an introvert, but as a leader, I have to learn, and I've learned traits to be able to convey the information that I need to convey to the crowd or to the person I'm talking to. So I am. You left up to me. I'll be in that back corner somewhere with a book just chilling. You won't even know I'm there. 
But I've learned based on my responsibilities to lead, to motivate, that sometimes I have to get out of myself and sit in front of a group of people that I don't know that's all looking at me to say stuff that's supposed to be important <laughs> and not to mess up. I'm frightened right now. <laughs> but we move on. <laughs> so let's move on to a true introvert, which I could say as a true introvert, you, I think it's a learned, it's something that you learn. And I'll say that because when you get back to, as Carmen said, she was a situational leader. That's what I consider myself. Depends on what's going on. And sometimes you got to let your team lead. And sometimes you might have to be a tail at times as a leader. But I think you learn that as a leader. The longer you lead people, mm -hmm. the longer you learn how to make access what kind of leader you need to be at the time. What situational leader do you need to be? So uh, I think it is a learned ability. Awesome sauce, thank you. Hey, Olu, I'll back you up on this. Thank you. Okay, so he came yesterday and he was terrified of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but <laughs> thank you all. Um, so your, my next question, and we'll just briefly touch on this. How have you, as an introvert, I guess everybody here is but me. I'm, I'm not an introvert. I'm, I'm out there. But um, as an introvert, how have you dealt with a charismatic leader? So maybe some advice for the people here that. Yeah. And I will say, I'll give you an example. I definitely have one team member, very charismatic on my team. But I use that to my advantage. Sometimes he takes over the meeting. But sometimes you need him to take over the meeting. Sometimes you need him to lead. Right when we have people that are not all on the same page, sometimes I have him take them to the room and try to understand what the vision and the mission and purpose that we're trying to uh, at the time that we're trying to get everybody on the same page. And usually he's the calm one. He's the one that can he could talk through the issues. And basically, when we come out of the meeting, everybody's like, "Oh, wow, that was a good idea." But he's that charismatic leader that can um, bring us all together. And you know, people listen to him, and he takes the time to listen too. So. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to make sure you understand the strengths of your, your team. That's a really good summary. Again, being a charismatic leader is all about walking the talk, right? It's about being true to yourself. It's about being consistent in what you do and what you say and how you behave yourself so people can in turn be inspired by you and be motivated and try to be a better version of themselves. But it's not about being overpowering, right? I have a quote here that says, often, poor leadership is masked by those with the loudest voice and the strongest opinion. So that's not what it's about, right? It's about when you need to say something, you do say something, but you also know to listen, right? So great. Thank you, everyone. We are going to move to the next. <coughs> All right, so from charisma, we are going to jump into integrity. So Carmen helped us earlier define this term. So again, we have a good understanding of what this is about. So we have two articles on there. So the first one is from the Boeing 737 MAX crisis. Some of you have probably seen this on the news. So real quick. The CEO of Boeing lost his chairman title after two crashes of Boeing's 737 MAX, the October 2018 Lion Air crash, and March 2019 Ethiopian Airlines crash. 
They both claims 346 lives. Lessons are, don't push fear of comp competitors above the interest of customers. Don't rush a flawed product to market to win market share. Don't destroy your credibility by pushing an overly optimistic narrative. This is all covered in the article. So I have questions for our panelists on this particular, again, we're talking about integrity. So first, what does integrity mean to you? I know we got a chance to hear from the audience and from Carmen, but what does integrity mean to you? I think integrity and trust um, go hand in hand. I mentioned that before, but I think that's also walking the talk. Mm -hmm. As a leader, you're gonna do what you say you're gonna do. You wanna deliver uh, what you say you're gonna deliver. And that develops, that, I believe that develops the culture for your team that you're, if you are the leader, uh, emphasize um, integrity. I think that's what the team becomes about is integrity and trust. Uh, when I think about integrity uh, as, a, as a leader, um, it's interesting because when you look at integrity, the idea of it is um, morality. What are your moral principles? Um, and when you look at morals today, uh, morals has an idea of right and wrong or what's good and bad in behavior and in character. And in a world where right and wrong is fluid, or good and bad is, uh, you know, uh, we've taken it from an objective to more of a subjective. So what's right to me might be wrong to you, and what's good for you might be bad to me. And so as a leader, I need to, and we all need to define where our morality is. What sets the, what sets the basis for good and bad? What sets the basis for right and wrong? And once I understand that and know that my morality is solid and has a good foundation, then my decisions always go back to how I look at right and wrong and good and bad. And the idea is to make sure that I, under, I understood that or understand that as a leader and not wait for situations like this where I have to make a decision because I've already made a deal with myself that, okay, this is my morality, this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad, and I'm gonna stick to that. So when situations come, I can take it put it on my measuring stick, uh, bad, I need to sound the alarm. I need to let someone know. I need to be open and honest and transparent here, like you were talking about, trustworthy, uh, if something is good. So uh, that's what I think about integrity. It's something that you have to decide yeah. way before you get into that situation. Yeah. Where's my right and wrong? Where's my good and bad? Make sure there's a standard that I'm going by, because sometimes my opinion you know, and how I feel at certain times can change. So to understand what that is and then live, direct, and lead with that integrity to make sure my yes is yes, my no is no, and I'm transparent in all my dealings. That's how I look at a, a leader with integrity. And just to add to that, I would say integrity is all about choosing to do the right thing mm -hmm, all absolutely. the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And from my perspective, you know, working um, at Lockheed Martin, we have company policies, there are laws that we have to live by, there are guidelines that we have to operate by from a business perspective. We um, work to establish a culture where employees feel comfortable enough to raise their hand if something is wrong or are not in line with those company policies. And then from a leader perspective, it is up to us to ensure that the area in which we work, the company in which we work, the corporation in which 
WeWork has an atmosphere, has a culture where people feel comfortable enough to raise their hand, have a place to go when things are not um, quite right. And in this instance, in this article, um, maybe that was a little bit lacking there, where employees were driven by, or leaders were driving um, employees to complete something, to get you know, a product to market, and they didn't necessarily raise their hand. And so the result of that was very catastrophic. But on the flip side of that, if we think about the Boeing Corporation, and I actually talked to some of my Boeing friends today, um, the flip side of that is that they did a self-correction. They have new leadership, and that leader is really, really committing, committed to establishing culture where people will raise their hand and say that something isn't wrong, is wrong and, and make the necessary changes there. So that shows strong leadership. And as a leader, in, in, you want to create, like you said, a culture where people feel uh, safe to do that. Yeah, absolutely. If you are a leader and when someone comes with something wrong or bad, you're chopping the head off, mm. give me the names, right. you're going all off, you create an environment where people, you know what, I probably should say something, but mm. I don't feel like dealing with that today. Yeah. So as a leader, I need to make sure, we need to make sure that we create an environment such that uh, I'm fair. I'm still stern to the beliefs and to the principles of the company I'm working with, but we create that environment so people can say, you know what, Olu, I saw this happen. It probably shouldn't. I just want to bring it to your attention. I can thank them, and then we can move with those other leadership traits to address that. And like you said, that self-correction that Boeing did was a great example of doing that. But create that environment so that people won't be scared or fear uh, for their jobs or their life to come uh, before you with things like that. But if we just think about that, and, and these are things that we're saying that we want you to really internalize and take away with, just think about the impact mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of not having a culture where people raise their hand. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge impact to the business. You're listening to The Path to Being the Best Leader. How to lead with charisma, integrity, and conviction, a professional development seminar. Featuring Carmen Norwood, Mariama Beamer, Olu Bolton, and Toya Jackson. Brought to you by the Global Catalyst for Change, the BASTEM Global Competitiveness Conference, where we make the untapped potential possible. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, in YouTube. Right. So I like to be practical, yeah. right? And I love that everyone here on this panel is, you, you all are really good leaders. Yeah. But someone in the audience might be sitting there and thinking, well, I don't want to lose my job, right. right? So what advice would you give them if, again, they are facing a situation where something is not right? I would hope that you, you you could talk to your leader first, but you know sometimes that's not the situation. So you got to have a mentor. You got to mm -hmm. have you know there's policy, so yeah, be able to go to HR. So I'm hoping there's somebody in the company that you can reach out that you feel that you can reach out to because if you don't say anything, you're part of the problem, right? You close mouth. You're saying that you agree with what what's going on, and you don't. So you should be able to speak up. And I know it's a fear at times that to speak up, but it is. I think it's part of, of you as a person, if you have integrity, that you have to speak mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. You got to speak up for right, what, what is right. Mm -hmm. We talk about policies, 
policies are there for a reason. So find someone that you trust and say something. Say something, say something, right? You said something yesterday, although you said it's not, you know, integrity is not something you turn off and right. on. Right. You don't go, ooh, today I feel like yeah. I'm going to be right. 60%. Right, right. <laughs> right? <laughs> you have it. Yes. Right? You are true to yourself. You do what you would do behind closed doors mm -hmm. when everyone is looking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. We are going to talk about the second one, how to lead with integrity. Hot topic. <laughs> Another article. <laughs> so this is, in this particular article, um, we actually they cover how to know when integrity is sleeping. Like, how do you actually catch that? so you don't find yourself at the other end and it's too late. So the article highlights four you know, items to look for. So the first one is when there is more than one version of the truth. It's like this version of the truth, that other version of the truth, right? It's only one truth. Um, when you see shortcuts in decision making, when personal agendas win out, and when humility takes a back seat. Mm. So how to fight that? The article suggests that we need to be responsible corporate citizens. And that's integrity. Doing the right thing, always, and in full view. Knowing that results would follow, but trusting in the process. So how can we make this, what I just said, a standard rather than an exception, right? Sometimes it happens, sometimes, how can we make sure that we catch those um, slips as they come? So I'll just take it back to what I said earlier. It's very important, because we're talking about leadership here, is for the leader to establish a culture mm -hmm. where employees feel that they can raise their hand if they see something that's going wrong. And if a leader establishes a culture like that, then an employee wouldn't have any problem coming to that leader and saying, hey, you know, Carmen, I see this problem. Can you help me with this? Or I don't think this is correct. If we don't, as leaders, take on the challenge of ensuring that we have the appropriate culture where employees feel that they can do that, then you're going to have all these mishaps. Culture is the foundation. And so I think that, you know, we need to internalize that as leaders to say, hey, I'm going to work towards having a culture. I was telling the team uh, yesterday in the area in which I work, in the middle of the area, we have a couch and a few chairs. It's almost like your living area at home. And a lot of times I'll go to that area and talk to my people as opposed to sitting behind my desk and them sitting on the other side because I want them to feel comfortable mm -hmm. talking to me about what's going on whether it's program performance or whether they believe that there's an issue there, I wanna establish a culture where people feel free to talk. And that's important, I mm -hmm. think, from a leader perspective. Mm -hmm. It was funny, my, my kids always say, Dad, I can't wait till I get grown, that way I can do what I wanna do. And the concept is once I get to this position, I get to do what I wanna do. Sometimes we think as leaders, finally I made it. I can tell everybody what to do, I'm the boss. But being a leader, may be more challenging than not. 
Because what happens now, we've seen in the news, uh, we've seen powerful people or leaders fall. You open up a newspaper, like, wow, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he said that. Oh, wow. What, what happened? It didn't start off with big, massive craziness. It started off with one little, well, I didn't, well, I didn't mention that to, and what happens, you get comfortable as a leader, and then that grows and grows and grows, and the next thing you know, you're off the chart. And so the idea is, as a leader, I need to do some self-checks periodically, every day. Okay, the decisions I made, where does that stand? Did I show integrity in this motion? Did I show integrity in this situation? I need to have people I can come to and say, look, let me tell you, this happened today, and she said this, and I said that. What do you think? Should I go back? Should I, you know, some people I can bounce ideas off of to make sure that I'm living in integrity at every little minute thing and then at those large things. That way, as as Karen was saying, it helps build that culture where my team knows, hey, that guy, he's, he's straight up. When he messes up, he confesses. If he does something wrong, see, look, guys, I made a mistake. I did with this. I shouldn't have done that. My bad. We're going to work to do that. Those type of things allow us as a leader to shine that light on, light on ourselves so that others can see that. And then that culture that you talk about can get started. So even with the little things, you know, make sure that you show that integrity, that little things. So when the big things come, it's easy. You already got a habit going. And I think it's important um, for your team to understand that they can come to you. Mm -hmm. Creating that safe culture means to the team that when they're in trouble, they can come to you and tell you, hey, this is what's wrong and I need help. Because I think as a leader, you're supposed to be their roadblock buster. So Mm -hmm. you're the person there they're going to come to for help when they're in trouble. And if you create that, as they talked about, that safe culture, I think that's what that that's gives the people the ability to come and give you uh, feedback and honest feedback, and that's what you want from a team, honest feedback, and be able to deliver it. You be able to deliver feedback, and they be able to give it back to you. It's really an element of trust, right? It's a, it plays a big part. But also, I said earlier when I started that we are all leaders. So even though we're saying, you know, the leader does this, the leader does that, that also means you, right? Regardless, again, of your title, you know that when it's time to speak up, you hold the grounds. You say what you have to say, right? And hopefully you are in an environment where trust exists mm-hmm. enough to where there are no repercussions because that's what we are always um, worried about. So I want to touch a little bit on trust. Any, any quick advice on how to get that trust? Hmm. I, I'll go back to what I said before. Um, when you, you talk, you do, you, you're an example for the, your people. You, you lead by example, and you do what you say you're going to do. And I think that what develops that true trust with your, your employees. I think that, that understanding that they can come to you and they can say whatever, and they, you develop that culture where everybody has a safe culture and, and able to come and talk to you and come tell you anything. When they're in trouble, when they're wrong, they messed up, or to bring the good news and deliver the good news you want to be able to have that feedback, um, that good communication back and forth. And I, I'll just give a um, just a quick example. You know, we talked about walking the talks so or what you say, you do what you're going to say. As a leader, I think it's very important to do things, and I call them, um, and we call them um, quick wins. Yeah. So say, for instance, if your employee 
is working on the manufacturing floor and they could do their job better. They tell you, <laughs> I can do my job better if I have this specific type of tool. How amazing is it if that leader takes what that employee says and gets that tool for that employee, gives it to that employee so that that employee can do their job better? How do you think that employee feels? Mm -hmm. I feel empowered because I told my leader that I needed something and t they brought it to me the next day. That's how you develop trust. You do what you say you're going to do to ensure that your employees are successful. Absolutely. How many people have ever had trust in someone? How many people have lost trust in someone? You know, it takes years and years and years and years to build trust. It takes a half a second to lose it. One look, one glance, one word, one off decision. And so as a leader, you have to constantly be on your trust game. You have to make sure every decision you make, everything that people see and everything people don't see, that you're living up to that trust that you need them to have in you so that as a team, you guys can move forward. So it's, it's, a, it's a constant thing that we have to do. Make sure that I'm living with that integrity. Make sure that I'm doing the right thing at the right time, all the time, constantly, so that I can maintain that trust because it's, it's really, really hard to get trust back Absolutely. once it's lost. Really hard. And just maintaining consistency. Exactly, exactly. All good work. Exactly. That's exactly what I have. Yes. Trust is about consistency. Mm -hmm. consistency. Yeah? It's a series of behaviors. Yes. Consistent behaviors. You don't just do one thing one day and another the other day. All right. Thank you. We are going to move to the next article. And that's our last article. Hot topic. <laughs> See, that wakes you up every time, right? You are welcome. <laughs> so this also, it's last, but it also happens to be my favorite article. Can I have a favorite? This is my favorite. Uh, so yeah, this is titled, White House Women Want to Be in the Room Where It Happens. And the summary, um, so there were White House workers and there were women, and they explained that they would, they felt that they would have to elbow their way into important meetings. Have you ever felt that way? Yeah, all right. So they did something about it. Yeah. So to make their voice heard, they used a meeting strategy. They got together and they created a strategy called amplification. And it was simple. When a woman at the table made a key point, other women at the table would repeat it and give credit to its author. So they constantly did this. Yeah, it was called the amplification. And you know, you know the rest of the story. It went up to Obama, and I will let you take up from there because you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is a pretty, um, I think, powerful story. And so when we're talking about conviction, you had a group of women who were in a sea of men. Well, I mean, it's like three women, and and the rest in the room were men, and they couldn't get a word in, in the dialogue. And they had a strong conviction and believed that they had a voice. They had really good points that needed to be made and they wanted to be heard. So they came up with the technique, like you said, called amplification. 
But when this was brought to President Obama's attention, he was he said, what? I didn't know you guys felt that way. Mm. He did not realize that the women felt that they were not engaged in the dialogue. And so through the discussions with the president, he then gained a strong conviction as a leader that he needed to change that environment so that everyone felt that they had a seat at the table and a voice. And so he made changes in the way that he held meetings such that the women were a part of the dialogue. And so I think as a leader, no matter what it is, if it's you've received <coughs> feedback from your team that they're not engaged enough, you need to have a strong enough conviction about a particular topic to make the changes. So look at this table. You are the odd one out. Wow. <laughs> so, and the article is flipped, right? So I would like to let you go first. Oh. Here's my question, are you ready for this? As a leader, Olu, how do you diversify those you invite to the table? How do I personally diversify? Um, the, the idea is to understand that I have my own personal glasses. I have my own worldview. I've had them all my life, and this is how I see the world. My glasses are formed to fit me perfectly, and so if I continue to make all the decisions and to make every, every move based on how I see the world, it can become a very myoptic uh, situation. And so I personally have to say, okay, I need some other glasses in the room. I need other people who, with different lenses who can see things differently. Someone who's worked longer than I have. Someone who worked shorter than I have. Someone who had to live with certain type of things that I never had to deal with. And as I bring those people in, different ages, different genders, uh, different ethnic backgrounds, uh, what happens is we, I create a, a, a small world that's a little more reflective of what the real world looks like. And in that, I have the opportunity to hear and to see and experience things that I would never, based on my skin color, my gender, uh, and other things, I can now experience those by bringing those people to the table and having that dialogue and understanding that their point of opinion, their point of view, their opinions are just as valuable and sometimes more valuable than mine based on the situation. And so you want to make sure you do that because seeing things from more than one side allows you to get a well-rounded idea. That way, my visions, my strategies, my goals that I'm moving forward, we can make sure we tackle all angles because it's more than just Olu with his little glasses on making those decisions. I mean, good job, Olu. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you want to add to that? Um, I think as a leader, it's your job to develop uh, a diverse team, and you got to consciously do mm -hmm. that because um, your your best person for the job may sometimes be the more experienced person, but you might have to take the new intern on your team because you they all bring value to the team. Mm -hmm. So you got to consciously build your team to get that diverse um, communication um, feedback from them because they all bring something different to the table and. Sometimes you got to realize too that the way they communicate is different too, and in that I mean that you know some people will speak up at the table and some of them it's going to be like yeah I had a good idea but I didn't bring it up and I was afraid to bring it up. Mm -hmm. So you got to give them other avenues to be able to communicate with you, whether it's by email or hey you come talk to me after the meeting too. Mm -hmm. But those are the things you have to do as a leader, conscious consciously to make sure 
that you invite everybody to be part of the team. Mm -hmm. And what I love about particularly this article is the ladies that took the issue at hand, right? They saw a problem and they came up with a strategy to address it, right? Again, we are all leaders. Would you like to add anything? Because we will. No, I think I really enjoyed hearing you guys talk about that. And, and the only way that I can summarize it is by saying, as leaders, you got all have a strong conviction mm -hmm about diversity and the value of diversity and what it brings in terms of innovation and moving the business forward. So strong conviction. And, and a lot of it has to do also with not just being comfortable in the norm. You know, you have situations where there is violent opposition to diversity. I only want the boy, the good old boys, I only want this type of people. You have that situation. That's easy to see. And a lot of times it's easier to attack that. But when it's more of a nonchalant, when it's more of a, oh, I didn't even know y'all won't say nothing. <laughs> well, why didn't you say anything? You at the table, talk. <laughs> As a leader, we could be so comfortable in the culture, we could be so comfortable how things are that you're not really doing anything wrong or, 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 or vindictive. It's just that you are not being active. You don't have that conviction. You don't have that strong belief, a belief so strong that you're doing something about it. You can all believe, I believe this, I believe that. The question is, are you acting on that belief? And so we talk about diversity. Everybody's job has a diversity council, diversity this, diversity that. But is that something as a leader you really believe? If so, then there's something you're going to do. And so the question I ask myself, and we all have to ask ourselves, is am I on the leading front? Am I waving the flag of diversity? Not so I can win some award, but because I know there are people out there with good opinions, people out there with uh, 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 things that they've been through that we need to move forward. And so I need to actively do that. That's that conviction. I need to pull it out of myself and make sure that I hold firmly to that and all of my actions are based on that firmly held belief. So if you notice, with what we all shared, I would describe leadership really as a muscle, right? You have to constantly exercise that muscle, whether it's by being charismatic, right? And walking that talk, whether it's by having integrity mm. all the time, whether you like it or not, you still speak up when you need to, or whether it's again, having that conviction whether it's speaking up for yourself, having that courage to do something, or as a leader, paying attention to everyone at the table. And again, some people might not be comfortable talking, so maybe it's you know, sending an email, right? Hey, I noticed you didn't say anything. Do you have something you wanna add? Maybe walking in a, in a cube, hey, you know, I noticed you didn't say anything. Is there anything that we missed? You know, how do you feel about the discussion? Having that and constantly, constantly maintaining that relationship, right? From the leaders to the followers, again, followers, I'm using air quotes here, you know what I mean. So with that, we do have a couple of books and I'll leave this on here and it's also, it should be in the app. Um, so you have access, those are some of the recommendations from everyone on this panel, it's really good leadership books, so um, take a picture. Let's see. We have about, yeah, we have about 16 minutes. We will now open the floor to questions. If you have a question, please walk to the microphone, 
say your name and ask your question. Hi, first of all, thank you guys. You guys did a great job, especially for a bunch of introverts. But um, uh, my name is Daniel. Um, I'm an electrical engineering major in school. Um, and we talked about like consistency with respect to integrity and standards with respect to trust. And um, I was just wondering how you manage expectations as a situational leader who might switch from different types of leadership, how you manage the expectations of your not followers, but the people you are around your team, that kind of stuff, when they're expecting one thing of you and you might come with a different leadership strategy day to day. Mm, that's a good question. Thank you. So just to be clear, the, the situational leader, when we talk about transformational, laissez-faire, all of those different, those are leadership styles. Mm -hmm. And we use those styles based on the situation at the time, right? So not that my message would change, mm -hmm. yeah. right? I'm gonna be consistent in my message because that's how I gain trust. But depending on the environment, the requirements, I may change how I lead. There may be instances where instead of sitting in a room and saying, hey, John, hey, Mary, what do you think? I may, might have to flow down specific information, specific requirements that that team needs to follow. Mm -hmm. And there is no gray area. This is direction. There may be other situations when we're trying to come up with um, a change in process or a change in how we do business. And I have to be more democratic. We sit around a room with all the stakeholders and I say, oh, what do you think? and then get all the different perspectives and then make a decision. So those leadership styles, it's not about changing your message because you have to be consistent in order to gain trust. It's about how you lead and how you lead a team, if that's clear. Thank you. Okay. And I want to add to flexibility, right? It's about being able to. But your message doesn't change. Right. Yeah. Good afternoon. Um, my name is Margie. You guys have done a wonderful job with the panel. Um, one of my questions is around, although we all are leaders in our lives and in you know personal and for work, we, not, not, we might not be the leaders that can affect culture change at our jobs. So how can we attempt to help change the culture if we're not, say, the head of the company? Who should we go to if we don't feel we have that culture of being able to speak up? aside from, you know, obviously an HR conversation in closed doors. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I said this before, hopefully your leader is one of the persons that, that you could talk to. And if not, we have to get mentors, guys, and we have to get uh, allies, and we need to be able to go together and speak up and, 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 and say what's right and speak up for what's right. Um, I'm an advocate that people should be able to come to me as a leader and tell me there is a problem because I'm there to support them. And if I can't support their concern or alleviate their concern, because maybe I don't think it's a real concern, but we're going to run down that rabbit track till we figure out, make sure that person is comfortable. So um, I hope in most companies that we have policies in place and we also, we should also always have a mentor, somebody that you can talk to. Adding to that too, I like to say volunteering, right? Most companies have different groups, right? Where you don't, it's all volunteer based. So it doesn't really matter where you are, right? Yes. Um, in the ranking, yes. you all have a voice. Yes. So look out for those and 
join, participate, be engaged. You never know who is sitting next to you and who is going to listen to you and actually apply what you said. So get out there and join those groups. One of the things that I do at Raytheon inside of business transformation is trying to help all the individuals. We have a term called leading without authority. You know, and I'm sure other companies have that also. The idea of it, I might not be at the top of the totem pole, but I can also lead up, I can lead left, and I can lead right. And it has to do with leadership in my actions. How do I respond to situations where they come up? Then those alongside of me can see, oh wow, this happened and Olu did X, Y, Z. I can lead by how I react to certain things. I can lead by discussions I have. And then by doing that, those around me in my culture, I can create that kind of mini culture of right or wrong and integrity and conviction and charisma. And that can spread. Uh, it has to do with me sharing with coworkers. Hey, let me tell you, you know, this happened the other day and we did X, Y, Z. Just sharing left and right, down and up, that allows you to be able to lead uh, without authority. And then as you do that, you begin to see, yeah, you know, I saw that. I'm glad you said that. Mm -hmm. You start to see other people coming out of the shell and then a small community can grow. Then you can take that to ethics or to HR or even to leadership and say, hey, just like the woman did in the article. This is something we got together amongst ourselves. They didn't wait for Obama to come and say, woman, go do this. Yeah. They did this amongst themselves, leading left and right, and then they were able to change the culture from within. So it starts with each one of us individually. That's where it starts. Hello, my name is Jordan Brown. I am a fourth year graduating senior from the Florida A&M University, <laughs> and I am a leader. Yes. Yes. So, uh, my question for the panel is, if you're in a situation where you're in a group with many authoritative leaders, very strong personalities. How do you suggest we navigate that kind of situation? Because I want to ask you a question, okay? okay? So you're in a room mm -hmm. with a lot of leaders who are in authority. Mm -hmm. How do you act today? I know for me, I'm more of like a diplomatic leader. I like hearing all the ideas in the room before I make a decision. And usually in that kind of situation, I lay back and I listen. I try to understand that person and what their goals are before to see if they clash with my own and see if I might be able to get on the same page with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you feel comfortable speaking up? Yes. <laughs> this is a different environment, though. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I've personally had the same experience mm -hmm. um, that you've had for mm -hmm. whatever, because I'm an introvert, right? And mm -hmm. I'm a very thoughtful leader. And so I, when I am in meetings, I don't just talk to talk. I mean, just I want a, a purposeful discussion. Mm -hmm. And we can have this meeting in 10 minutes <laughs> rather than an hour and a half, you know? Um, but one of the things that I've learned, feedback that I have gotten over time is about really speaking up in meetings, mm -hmm. because sometimes that can be perceived as negative rather than, than a positive thing. And so I have um, a, an executive coach, and one of the things that, that he told me is when you're in a meeting, the first five minutes, I mean, th this is just a technique, say something, say something in that meeting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, it's important for you to be a part of the dialogue. And if you feel that you're not being allowed to speak up in the meetings, that is really when you need to either give feedback mm -hmm. to your leader that the way the meeting is managed is not enabling everybody to have a voice mm -hmm. at the table or, you know, take charge and say, okay, I have a, I have a question or I have a statement to make. Mm -hmm. So there are various ways that you can handle that. And I feel that um, in many instances with us, because a lot of times we are one of, of, of many or one of a few in the room, sometimes it can be a little intimidating, right, to um, speak up. And sometimes it's in our own heads and we need to get beyond that. But I will give you the same technique that my executive coach gave me you know, say something. Mm -hmm. First five or 10 minutes in the meeting, say something. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you um, you get doing it. Mm -hmm. Another technique that I use because it was really feeling like I may say something that was wrong mm -hmm. or whatever, right? And oh, how embarrassing that would be. And I'm an introvert and I'm an overthinker. So I'm thinking, oh my God, what did I do? So I usually prepare for a meeting. I prepare questions mm -hmm. ahead of the mm -hmm. meeting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm to ensure that you know, I feel comfortable enough to say something in those five minutes because then it gets easier. Mm -hmm. That's real good, thank you. Yeah. I'm thank gonna you. add to that too, because what that made me think about is the imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. right? Why if you, again, if you find yourself, you're like, ooh, what, should I say something? And one thing that I've learned about that, the imposter syndrome, is if you find yourself in that situation, it means that you are growing. You are in that room for a reason. You are in that room because you need to be there. You're in that room because your voice needs to be heard. You're in that room because you belong in that room. So because you belong, you have the right to say something. Mm -hmm. It's your right, right? So as you are growing, you will constantly find yourself in those situations, but remind yourself and remember that you are here for a reason. You didn't just stumble here, right? And so for that, you belong, right? So you can say whatever, you know, add, contribute to the conversation. Once again, thank you for the conversation and thank you for the tips and the advice. Right. Okay. Good afternoon. I would like to thank you all for being here. I appreciate, appreciate your time. Um, I didn't really have a question, it was more so an add on, um, kind of with the charismatic leadership. Um, I would also say another dark turning point could be not just leading someone down a dark path, but more so pushing people down the dark path. So not having that corrective measure. So you see someone doing the wrong thing, you allow them to keep doing it, or you let them have bad work practices, so then you're not reaching your full potential, your goal. So I think that's another way you can be charismatic, but also leading in a wrong way. And it was kind of a short story with integrity. Um, so I went to the Air Force OTS, and they uh, had us outside the DFAC. I was there with my flight and uh, the other squadrons. So the major is out there having to say one of the core values, which was integrity. So there's a saying for it. So we were all repeating it. Then at the end, he's like, all right, cadets, does anybody not know the full core value now? So me not really thinking about it, I raised my hand. And I was like, oh, what the fluff did I just do? <laughs> so yeah, he called me down. He's like, all right, cadet, well, you're coming on down here. I'm like, oh, no. So he gets me down. He's like, are you going to recite the core value? So, you know, at the time, I was like stumbling on the third line. I always could not get it down packed, but he had me, you know, going over it, going over it. And I think that actually helped me in the long run because now I can really recite it easily, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, having to say it in front of all these other cadets around me. So, you know, 
what integrity is essential is the inner voice, the source of self-control, and the basis for the trust that's imperative in today's Air Force is doing the right thing when no one's looking. So also what I feel like is important is uh, doing the right thing just because it's the right thing, no matter who's looking, doesn't really matter. So I think that's also what that's entailing. Um, also, I didn't introduce myself, did I? I'm sorry. Yeah. So yeah, I'm uh, Delroy Pasquale. I'm a mechanical structural design analysis engineer for the Boeing company. So I just wanted to yeah, go ahead and add that on there. And uh, if you agree or disagree, that's kind of cool. You can put your input in. I'd like to hear it. <laughs> but thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So that's all the time we have for questions. So I would encourage you all, if you didn't get a chance to talk right now, um, you know, you guys continue the conversation right after. We will now have Carmen close us out. Give all of my... Um, friends here, a hand. That was great dialogue. And thanks to Lakeisha Moss for, you want to say it one more time? <laughs> Thank you so much. How many of you received some of these cards? Okay. We talked about leadership and we said that we are all leaders, whether we are designated a leader or if we are leading large and large teams, right? So in order to be a leader, we need certain traits to continue to be strong leaders. And there are a list of, I call them the 10 C's that I listed. It's an affirmations that I say periodically just to keep me grounded as it relates to being a leader within the company. And so I'd like for you all to take your card. How many of you got them? Is anyone? Missing them? And I'd like for you to stand. Okay, do you have them? Okay. And let's say these affirmations together because we are strong leaders, right? All right. So I'd like everybody to participate. Sure. Okay. So let's start. I am capable. I'm confident. I have courage. I am committed. I am in control. I am connected, I am conscious, I am a game changer, I am creative, and I communicate. Thank you, thanks for participating. Thank you for listening to The Path to Being the Best Leader. How to lead with charisma, integrity, and conviction. A professional development seminar. Featuring Vice President for Lockheed Martin Corporation, Carmen Norwood. Advanced Technical Content Developer for NetApp Incorporated, Mariama Beamer. Director for Raytheon Company, Olu Bowden. And Manufacturing Engineering Director for General Motors, Toya Jackson. If you have enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www.bea.org. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101.